Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. announcements before we get started. Uh, First of all, this week I will be at Icon Illustration Conference uh, in Detroit. Listen, people, if you're at Icon and you see me and I don't know you, it's impossible for me to come up to you and talk to you. But please feel free to come up and, and introduce yourself. I love meeting listeners of the podcast. Don't be shy. I'm real nice. I'm a real nice guy, and I like to talk to people. Um, So don't be afraid of my brutish beard and intense face. I don't don't know. Just don't be afraid. Feel free to come introduce yourself. Uh, Also, a few notes. I'm not going to be at Creative Works this year. I'm taking a year off. Um, I've done that uh, conference three years in a row. And uh, just taking a break and uh, doing some different things. Um, I'm going to be at the AIGA design camp this year instead. Um, And then before that, I will be at Made in the Middle in Kansas City, Tad Carpenter and Carpenter Collective's uh, conference in Kansas City. I will be speaking there. And this month, later this month in July, I'll be speaking in Columbus, Ohio, uh, at uh, Making Midwest. Um, so go check that out. I think it's July 21st. So those are all the places you can come uh, hear me talk and, and meet me and hang. Um, so go go do that. Okay. So today's episode, super special episode. I loved this conversation. There's tons of insight, things that, you know, those things that hit you right when you need to hear them. Uh, there was a lot of that going on in this conversation. So today on the show, we have an interview with brilliant Chicago-based art director and designer and letterer, Ade Hogue. Uh, Ade has a very impressive client list with the likes of Nike and PayPal. His lettering work is gorgeous and features a clear, obsessive eye for detail. I had an absolute blast, like laughing, crying, geeking out with Ade, and I may have even gained a new friend along the way. I think that, uh, I hope that we're running into each other a lot and, uh, I hope to get, get a drink in person with this guy soon. Um, I think you are going to love this episode and, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Here it is. Hey, nice to have you Ade. I'm th- Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, for I, I got into your work through Instagram. I don't really remember how it happened, but uh, I fell hard. There's high levels of craft and excellence, and uh, I was way into it. And so, I'm glad to have you on the show. Could you just give the creative pep talk listeners a, a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Oh, man. Uh, So I am a Chicago-based lettering artist, art director, and designer. I'm originally from North Carolina slash Virginia, so uh, those places definitely have my heart and probably a little bit of my voice slash accent. 
Uh, it's going away. Stay here a little longer, but um, I'm sure when you go back, you slip right into it. Oh, very much so. Like a lot of my family members have pretty thick accents and friends too. And when I call them, like I can pick them up immediately, like like the sound of those. Uh, and I easily slip right back into into old habits. <laughs> and your uh, your Chicago friends probably look at you weird, like what? What's going on? Yeah. What's that? What is that? There's words that I say that people can like around here uh, that just sound too southern. Like there's no there's no equivalent for it in Midwest slang. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, I get it. My wife is British, and so. Everybody, uh, if like her family or friends will hear her on like a internet video or something, they'll be like, you have an American accent. And then if she, as soon as she, which no one here thinks that, but as soon as she gets on the phone, I can like barely understand what she's saying. She goes, so she has like a Northern uh, British accent, which is like kind of like the most extreme British accent. Um, so yeah, it's really funny. Uh, so the first question that I have for you is, could you tell us about life pre-design for you? Like, you know, childhood, family, just what what was going on? You can go back even when you're a kid. Like, what was life like back then when you think back to it? What was like life growing up for you? Yeah, so uh, I have a probably a slightly more unique background as an artist slash designer. Um, when I was younger, I really had no interest or passion in art. Um, I guess we all probably took some sort of art class in like middle school or elementary school. But by the time I got to high school, I was really focused in a path to be, uh, become an engineer. My dad was an engineer um, and had been one for decades. And uh, even when I was in co- or my, I think it was my senior year of high school and even freshman year of college, I actually worked in his factory. He's like a computer or mechanical engineer. Can't remember which oh. one. Um, but I worked in his factory, like, and I, I love that experience. So uh, I, I did, had no real desire or no passion for art. And it wasn't until uh, kind of being in college for a while and uh, doing really, really poorly, poorly in the engineering realm of my uh, college that I stumbled into some art classes and it kind of snapped or kind of clicked and I fell in love really quickly. All right. Uh, yeah. That is, I mean, that's a pretty different story. One, yeah. one thing that, um, comes to mind is in terms of identity i feel like that's a really bizarre journey and if i put myself in your shoes like i think my whole life i grew up uh thinking i was just like my mom because she's an artsy one um and my dad's like a businessy dude and it wasn't until i graduated college and i started getting obsessed with business books and, and marketing and, and strategy that I realized that I was way more like my dad than I ever realized. Yeah. And I wonder if when you went to school and you were struggling as an engineer, I'm, I'm guessing like your whole life, you had kind of assumed that you were just like your dad. What, like, was that a tough pill to swallow where you're like, Oh, this isn't coming as naturally to me as I thought. Yeah, it was really, that was really hard for me. Um, it wasn't that my parents like forced me to become something that I didn't want to be. Like, I just thought that, that was it for me. So it was weird to find out that, yo, I'm, I, you're, I'm not good at physics and I'm, I'm not good at, uh, these high level calc three classes, you know? Uh, so that was really difficult for me. Uh, and it was also a, a shift in who I was, 
um, identity-wise, even before. It's, this is it's super weird, but most uh, a lot of people don't know this, especially people who just like know me or follow my work. Or- this is good stuff. So uh, everything you're saying about this is super weird and a lot of people don't know that, yeah. both of those things are indicators that I'm leaning in and I'm interested, like this is good tape. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so keep going. Sorry to interrupt. So, yeah, that... Um, my first name is Broderick, uh, and I went by Broderick my entire life. And it wasn't until I got to college and uh, this weird little identity crisis for switching my major from engineering to art, where I changed kind of, my middle name is Ade, and I just started going by Ade like midway ish through college. It was sort of freshman year, but it really I tried to push it more and more um, as I was in the middle of college. It didn't really take. Uh, it wasn't until I moved to Chicago where I could because I started kind of a new here. So starting here and being able to completely introduce myself as I date. So it even goes to show like it wasn't just the major. It felt like my whole personality had like taken me. I was like, oh, like this is not who I am anymore. I'm not even that. I don't want to be that. I want to be something new, something different. So I kind of changed it, changed it up a little. Man, that is so fascinating. It's like uh, very much like the the start of a whole different journey and adventure and, and kind yeah. of uh, – a search for a whole, I don't know, new answers or more, a losing of oneself and a journey to find oneself like that is extremely fascinating. I wish that I, I can't see mine's way more lame. I changed my last name from Miller to pizza. Does not not have the same effect. It sounds way dumber, but all right, you have a better, a better, more epic version. So when you were in college, like, uh, and you were, gu- I'm guessing there were like, there was a season of turmoil while you're kind of trying to figure out that transition. Is that accurate? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, uh, it, the turmoil was mainly just because of my grades. You know, you get into a really bad position in terms of academic standing uh, and you have to figure out how you get out of this. So there's a weird in between kind of semester in there, which I was like kind of just taking whatever classes uh, that I could think of and could find. And I just, like I said, I kind of stumbled into the the art realm and and started to like it. it was, I was bad at it, but I thought oh, this could be cool. Um, and it led to a unique path for me. And so just, I'm going to just like uh, tap the brakes a little bit because I want to dive into the, the, I always feel sinister when I do this, when I'm like, let's stop and talk about the bad parts in more detail. But I just feel like it just helps people to uh, relate to, you know, everybody's got mm-hmm. the harder parts. And like um, when you, so when you were in school and you're starting to get bad grades in physics mm-hmm. and your identity is kind of changing your mind, you're questioning kind of the path that you thought you were going to be on. Um, what were the ne- like, what were the ideas with the negative emotions? Like, do you have a, an example of a story of like failing a test and what you were feeling and, and how, what you thought your parents were going to feel or anything like that? Does that well, make sense? Yeah. Uh, spoiler, I failed a lot of tests, so I don't even know if I could, <laughs> those were blurred. There's definitely a point. I, it's, so this is really kind of funny. My mom, uh, I, I was in a, a print magazine spread as like a, a new visual artist. Um, and they asked like about my path and I talked about how I, how I began this career of design and art. And I said that after essentially failing engineering school and my mom, like 
I think she called me and was like, I didn't know you failed engineering school. And it's this weird, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I showed you guys everything that was happening, but I got out before it got too bad, before they told me I couldn't come anymore. But um, so after, I think it was after the first full year, I told my parents I didn't kind of want, I really didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, and they kind of just told me to stick it out. They, my mom's, their parents have always been supportive, but they kind of wanted me to make sure I just wasn't quitting just to quit. Like make sure that's something you don't want to do. And so I stayed around for a little bit longer, uh, and I realized, like, I saw the writing on the wall, and I, I started making bad grades again. And by the end of that, I think that second that second semester or that third semester, I think I just stopped going to one of the classes. Like I didn't even take the midterm or the final, because uh, I was like, this is pointless. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to make a bad grade. This is not for me. Um, but yeah, those those uh, those emotions get a little heavy in there because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be, and I felt like I was like kind of wasting away. You know, um, people talk about quarter life crises, and I always joke and said I think I've had like at least three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you so when you're having those uh, feelings, like what before you had a new path emerge, mm-hmm. what were th- what what were the feelings? What were the thoughts? Uh, it was that I wasn't go- I ever really going to be anything, and I, I guess sometimes that still kind of scares me. You know, you you look at your, wherever your career is right now, and you're like, oh man, maybe I'll never make it. Maybe what is the end goal here? What like all these kind of questions popping your head? And at that time, they were like the most dire uh, because I, I didn't see a future. I didn't know where I was going to be or what kind of major I would have um, and how I was going to get there. So. Uh, yeah, at that time, it was really, it was a weird time for me. I had to just kind of struggle through it. Um, take, like I said, take some classes and just have a little fun. I kind of went to, went back to the college experience, right? Just have fun, make friends, uh, take some classes, see what's, what, what's out there that you love. And then you can find what you love sooner or later and, uh, stick to it. Like, yeah. towards that. So did you, so how did, can you tell me the story of how, design the design path emerged and how that kind of called you onto a different path yeah um this is it was it was weird i just like i said i went i took some classes some art classes and random classes in general but kind of stumbled into drawing early in in the the design program at my school and in the midst of this i was trying to figure out what i wanted to really do and somewhere along the way, I decided I wanted to design clothes, be a fashion designer. So I started like sketching clothes, like things, it was like all men's apparel. And it was really nothing. It was like t-shirts and just like, like, um, <laughs> design pieces, no, no, like crazy cool garments, um, right. just people design on it. And then I remember very vividly, like trying to design a logo. I went out and bought like a Mac. Cause I was like, yo, like in order to be creative, you have to have an iMac. Right. So I did it. I went out and like, <laughs> You bought the whole, you bought the, the story. Around. <laughs> I didn't actually earn it, but uh, I started designing a logo. And I, I realized in that process that designing the logo was a hell of a lot of fun for me. So uh, I realized, I started looking more into like a graphic design background um, and career path. And it seemed super interesting in, in the art realm. And that immediately led me to start taking graphic design classes and declare um, a major in, in graphic design. What started, what was the, uh, can you remember what the catalyst was to start doing the fashion drawings? Uh, I just like, I mean, to this day, I like clothes, but back then I used to wear like a lot of really gra- graphic, not graphic in the sense of like disturbing, but like graphic. 
yeah, you wore a lot of like shirts with mutilated bodies on them and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Worn parental advisory uh, shirts. Yeah. Uh, I just like what were the brands? What was what was doing it for you? <laughs> uh, it was Echo. Was my ma- like I used to wear Echo clothes, like ECKO. Yeah, it was my job. I used to have like matching shirts and jeans that like, pattern would go from one to the other. It was a little over the top. I probably went. <laughs> I'm kind of face behind me. I felt like they were pretty cool back in the day. I remember like in high school thinking they they were really cool, and they had like I mean maybe mine was like partially influenced by my nerddom, but. They had like a collaboration with X Men, I think. Okay. Uh, which was like a special series that had like Marvel characters. Trust me, I know you think I don't know what I'm talking about because because I didn't wear it, but I remember seeing these pants and they they didn't they didn't have much going on, but they did have like a Wolverine thing. I'm gonna send you a link so you know <laughs> that I know what I'm talking about. I might, I might pick one up just for all time's sake. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, okay. So you would, you would always been into that since you were, you know, even younger and you, what made you think I'll start designing my own? Uh, I don't know. I think it was just that I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. (laughs) This seems like fun. I like wearing clothes. Clothes can make you money. Here you go. Let's try it. I don't know. There was some kind of self-reflection of like, I seem to be interested in this. This is a thing that's different about me than other people. Yes. Yes. Right. That makes sense. And so you went to go make a logo. And then after that, you you were like, man, you're just following the, you know, the excitement and the, and the passion and the, the natural inclination so that you did the logo. And then you thought I better take a design class. Is that right? I mean, to the early parts of, of our design curriculum, which then after that, that's when I was immediately hooked. Like, I mean, after taking the drawing class, I was really starting to like it. And then after like getting more to the design realm of, of the, our curriculum, that's when I really had fun. Mm, yeah. So then when you were in that time and you're like in the early days, were there people that helped you along? Um, I mean, of course, like professors and things like that, that helped me yeah. them out. Um, I still have a really, really good relationship with a lot of my professors. Um, there's a couple from my school that were art teachers and I still go see, like when I come back to Charlotte, which is where I went to school, I always go visit them or try to like sneak in their classes in the middle of the day. Uh, and then a couple of my design professors, I still like every time I go back, I talk to them. So, uh, yeah, they were super supportive. Uh, they were hard on me. I was a, a bit of a lazy student in, in a lot of aspects. So, uh, it was definitely a push that I need. I'm sure I what like, they didn't necessarily love me when I was in their class, but that they, like, when I come back to town, like I go to dinner with my professors, like we'll go out and have food. Uh, and a, or, yeah. So, like that means a lot to me. Like, I, I guess I, <laughs> I wasn't that bad, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it seems like, I mean, that now, uh, can, I mean, what, what changed about, I mean, maybe nothing changed, but it seems like you've got a lot of fire and ambition. Um, was that not present then? No, I think it. The problem was it was just as present, but I, I guess I saw it in a very real world view of things, right? So I do the same thing. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's like school. It was school. I know that school is school, and I need the stakes to, feel low. Yeah, I gotta. Okay, yeah, I gotta do this assignment. But hey, of a freelance, if somebody wants to do some freelance work, and I, I, 
are they going to pay me money for it? Yo, I should go make that money. And it's cool. Like, eh, I'll, I'll make a B or a C on Simon. I'll turn it a little late. If, it, if like, that's the, the price for me doing something that's real in the real world. Uh, so I it's guess like I just... scrimmage and not the game. And you're yeah. like, yeah, this doesn't really count. Yeah, this, I always felt that way. I could be playing somewhere else. I can be playing this other league. So I went and tried playing this other league. So I think that sometimes that got me in trouble. Um, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, it's weird now because I... I it's funny because i teach a class like an undergraduate class and it's weird to teach something and like oh i get it grades don't really matter that much as long as you take the lessons out of the like what are your teachers trying to teach you and i I picked those up i know what they were trying to teach me i know what they taught me i have a a, like a solid understanding of design and and the creative process Uh, i didn't necessarily want to do every homework piece it's one of my um the one of my professors name is bobby talk communication design so i had him like our design program was small um there's like 10 to 12 students in there for the most part um from one of in my graduating class i should say so in one of our classes we had multiple with them but one of our late level design classes where our assignment was to rebrand a uh, do a package design a rebrand of whatever company so i chose a beer company i redid the logo I like spent this cra- like, this process of me like developing the the logo, and I um, designed the, the bottles and the carrier they were in. And because I was into to printmaking at the time too in college, I, we screen printed the, uh, the the graphics on everything. And we were supposed to yeah. do an advertisement, like a little one page eight by ten advertisement. And I just didn't do the advertisement. Like I just I got a zero on the advertisement. And I'm like the the project. And I was like, I just don't like doing this ad thing. I just didn't do it. And to this day, he still gives me crap about it. He's like, yeah, that ad ad you never turned in. I was like, look, Bobby, one day I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to design this thing and I'm going to do it. Knock it out of the park. Yeah. I just didn't want to do it. Uh, It wasn't important to me. So, uh, yeah, the passion is still there. Like, it it was very siloed at times, I think. Yeah. Do you think, uh, because, I mean, I'm guessing um, everybody, I mean, everybody that goes through school, doesn't end up where you are now. Do you think that, and even the the early jobs you had, like, do you think there was anything in your school experience, either something uh, professors passed on to you or something you picked up or whatever? Like, what did you gain in that season of your life that ended up contributing to where you are now? Oh, yeah. Did you learn any lessons, any, any, I don't know, takeaways? Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, I was, I was back at my school, my alma mater, uh, earlier this year, and I received like a an award from the the College of Arts and Architecture um, for alumni. And it was funny. I talked about I talked about one of my professors and one like the very specific things that he said in class all the time, um, and I said it to the crowd. And it's just I, there's very specific, tiny little things that I remember verbatim. But I think the thing that I really learned was to to um, to appreciate the process, especially when it comes to creating things, it don't always happen fast and it doesn't happen the same. You kind of just have to roll with it. Uh, and then just like appreciating good design work. Uh, I think the, for me, the biggest, the, the most important step is understanding what looks good and why it looks good. Not necessarily being able to create it. If you know what looks good and why it looks good, then sooner or later you can like build a path to, to create that yourself. Mm, yeah. So like, can, so was the thing that you shared was to enjoy the, the process. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. And so what does that look like? Did, like, do you, 
is that a thing you think about actively when you're even working on client stuff or like, does this, is this something that you remind yourself of now? Um, you know, I don't think that I actively remind myself of it. I think that I, I genuinely do have fun with the process. You just have internalized it and it's just something you do. Yeah. And it, it, I talk to people all the time about it and it's, it's like, even when I'm doing something, I could be doing, I'd be doing a cool project or a cool shoot. And the whole time, like I've, I love Insta stories, Instagram stories. I'm like, in, I always like make sure to take time to like share little, uh, uh, previews of it or share little snaps of, of whatever it is that I'm doing. And I think that is me truly enjoying the process. And I like sharing my and every time that I fuck up and like all of that stuff, I make sure that everyone sees it. And I think that is enjoying the process. Yes, that is so good. And actually, this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately, that one of the things that's been holding me back as I get busier uh, is not allowing myself to take the time, which is what you just said. And it's sounds maybe, maybe it sounds obvious to some people, but I realized recently that, uh, my work was suffering because, uh, I, I just wasn't uh, not just taking the time. Like I was taking the time to do one execution. Well, you know, like the bare minimum time, not, and I think, you know, I think that something at the core of creativity is, uh, like, the novelty of like, I'm going to spend extra time doing something for, you know, the, what the delight of it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's almost creativity in a way kind of a base nature feels frivolous to humanity because you can't eat it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't give you shelter. And I think because of that, sometimes the world we live in wants to rush everything and it makes it impossible to yeah. get your best creative work yeah. or enjoy it. Does that, you know what I mean? Especially as a freelancer. I feel like every, every assignment I get, every time somebody reaches out to me to do something, it is last minute. It's like, they're like, oh, we need this. And you're like, you know, you realize that this whole process would take me a week. And that's like my, yes. all your approvals. Uh, and so, yeah, sometimes you get the, the process gets chopped down because of things that you can't control. But even in a, in a small way, I think you still have to enjoy it. And there's still the ability to enjoy it. Even when we were stressed on, on a deadline, like still shooting those behind the scenes or, or taking a step back to actually appreciate whatever it is that you created and those mistakes and every failure that you, uh, that you came upon in your process of getting there. Yeah. And I, so recently for me, it's looked like I was just talking to my friend about it and like I was stressing out about, you know, certain, certain elements of the podcast when I'm doing my monologue episodes, like there'll be elements of the episode, maybe a five minute segment that has some punchy thing that I'm like, I want it to be right. I want it to feel, you know, uh, off the cuff, but also in really heartfelt, but also like have the power of something planned. And he was just like, well, what you got to do is just do like, seven takes and know that you're going to do seven takes so that you can just have a good time and not worry about getting it right. And, uh, I, I think this is, I think there's a lesson in there too, to what you're saying of like, this is why you need to fight for good payment because you gotta be able to, you know, you gotta say, look, like it, maybe the execution take, maybe the final execution takes me seven hours, but to get to that one, it's going to take me 72 hours or whatever. Yeah, I know. 
there's a lot of mistakes that happen along the way. And yes, to building, building in time to be able to, to make those mistakes on purpose uh, to figure out because you don't know what the hell you're doing. And I, I get hired for projects sometimes. I'm like, I don't really know how I'm going to make something happen out of, out of whatever. Uh, so let me figure yes. out, give myself some time to see if I can make some mistakes. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's good. I, you know, I need that advice, dude. Um, that's good. So let me ask you this on this path. Do you have you, what, what have, after school, mm-hmm. what are the big obstacles that you have faced? What are your like darkest moments of like, uh, where you're like, man, I want to give up or I hate this or whatever. Like, what are the things that really have been trials for you if there haven't have been any i mean there's definitely some there's been some trial trials in terms of like work life um for i worked at two different agencies and some contract stuff in between and they just never were right for me uh, so i definitely had some of those moments where like I, oh man this is too much I'm, I'm going i'm in meetings too often i'm doing this too much i'm not designing enough um but more recently it, it's just been like the process of being a freelancer and I mean, there is a really, I was in one of my roughest places uh, last summer um, in terms of like just dealing with depression and not feeling like I, I've never, I did not fully understand like how serious uh, depression can be. And like, you just can't like, sometimes can't move, can't do anything. Yeah, there's nothing that you want to get out of bed or, or do anything. Um, luckily for me, uh, I am, I'm a runner and I Keep, I stay pretty active in terms of fitness. Uh, I was signed up for a couple of marathons last year. And I, I don't know without having to do those, like having to get up and train, because I knew I would just, I would hate myself if I didn't. I wouldn't be able to do it. Like that's what kind of got me out of bed and it kept that process going. Um, but there were some dark times in there when your bank account's at, at zeros and you know, you're just trying to make money and everybody thinks that you're crushing it. I mean, it's it was weird for me because I had this moment in which I was inside of a magazine that said that I was a, one of the 15 new visual artists under 30. And it's like, everyone sees that. And it's like, oh my God, you're amazing. You're doing such great things. And like my bank account is like at zero. I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like yeah. really hard. I'm the definition of a starving, starving artist right now. Um, and so it, yeah. that took some time to, of course, get past that. So And actually, anybody that uh, listens to this podcast knows that the first... Uh, I've been doing this... Uh, I graduated in 2008, so I've been on this journey for about 10 years. The first three years uh, were extremely brutal. Mm-hmm. I had tons of moments, just like you're talking about, you know, overwithdrawn, uh, you know, getting. I had, I, and I had, I had so much audacity. Uh, the first year, I had like a bunch of jobs coming in, and then uh, I we got married, had a baby, got a mortgage quit my job, went freelance. And then that was like when the recession hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had like bill collectors calling me. And there were times where I'm like laying face down on the living room floor, which all the creative pep talk people are like, all right, Andy, quit talking about that. We know it was painful. We're feeling your pain because you talk about it so much. But I'm just (laughs) telling you for solidarity, man, like I freaking get it. And when you're in that moment, that sucks. It feels like there's no way out. And like you're you're just like – there's nothing you can do to change your situation. Uh, it's like you've worked hard for, for nothing up to that point. So yeah, it was rough. Yes. And so did you, were you having, um, what were the, when you're in those moments, what are, what are the voices in your head saying? Like what, what's, what is the battle? Oh, uh, it was for, I know. So, by the way, yeah. sorry. No, 
I was just going to say, I know some of these questions are like not normal conversation. No. And so sometimes I feel like that's a weird question to ask somebody if like we are hanging out for beers. But what I found is like um, the more particular we can get like and, and just emo- just, you know, sharing what that experience is like. I feel like it's so it's so cathartic for other people to feel it. I mean, uh, and understand what that journey is like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For me, the voices were like telling me, yo, go get a job. You can't do this. You'll never survive with this. This is like too hard for you. Uh, and it took a long yes. time for me to, to, to tell myself I was tough enough for it. Um, I've, I am also the, the person who a lot of people love the idea of freelancing and work, working for themselves. I am not necessarily that person. While I do really enjoy yeah. freelancing, I do really enjoy free, freelancing. And I'm, I'm also not sure if I can ever really go back to a full-time, like, uh, everyday job um i still it makes you almost unemployable when you do it too long i feel yeah, like yeah. <laughs> um i'm not i've never really been the person that said like oh freelancing is what i want to do the rest of my life i just at, uh, at the time had to figure out how i could better advance my career and start spending more time with letters and drawing letters and freelancing just seemed to be the best avenue so at the time when I was like struggling with it, it was like, yo, just go get a job. Maybe this is not for you. So it was like my recomm- like me recommitting to, oh, I'm going to stick this out and like, let's see what happens. Uh, let's see if it continues to be fun. The moment it's no longer fun, for sure, uh, then I'll go back to a real time, a real full time job. Um, but as long as I'm having fun and, and I'm doing OK and I can at least afford my, my own apartment, then I'll continue doing this. Did the uh, did that timing of everything sour the experience of being in 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 that in the top fifteen? Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what was the it's it was the print magazine thing, right? Yeah, it, it really did. It was it was weird to have people think that you're just the shit and you don't feel like it at all, and it's not even in your head. It's in your it's everything is telling you, yo, you don't have this. You're not doing it. Uh, you're making money so clearly you're not doing a good job at this uh so that was a little- it kind of i'm sure I, I had those moments of feeling like an imposter like yeah. oh you know i have a great client but also yes. you know the gas man's calling me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so how did you you know what like uh because you know all kind there's like all kinds of uh things that that does to you that experience when you're at that place and you decide to stick it out, what are the things that you do to to stay motivated and also to change your circumstance? What what, what how did you get from there to here? Uh, yeah, I think at that time I was still exploring, still experimenting, slash exploring this whole like creating type out of real things, like this tactile, tactile type thing. Um, and I just started yeah. more of those and I started doing more just for fun. Um, because at the time I wasn't doing a lot of client work. So I was like, well, if I'm not going to get paid for doing nothing, I might as well not get paid for doing something I love. So I might as well just create some fun pieces and have a little, like make this more enjoyable for myself, uh, to go down swinging. Right. Like if, if I fail at this, at least I fail yeah. giving it my all and trying something cool. Um, and so I think that like, because I did more and more of that, then it started leading to more, slightly more opportunities and uh, chances to do stuff, um, which felt super rewarding. It's those personal products that lead to the cool client stuff. So 
one other question about that. When you're when you're feeling like crap and feeling like wanting to give up, how do you go from that feeling to I know I rem- I remember being in that exact spot yeah. and thinking probably what I should do is make work anyway, but the the gap between feeling like you suck and for or whatever like it's not working or you're failing or whatever, the gap between that and making creative work which you know has to come from passion and motivation or something you know how how do you bridge that gap were there were there people in your life you were talking to were there you know resources like did you just give yourself a pep talk what what things got you um from point a to point b yeah definitely people i talked to and friends and uh, people that are close to me that you could like let everything go but also uh i started i i don't do a lot of it anymore but i I used to blog, like write on my, my on my personal journal on my website a fair amount. Uh, I would even write blog posts out. I never, I have like dozens of them that I never actually posted or went live. Uh, but I would just write things out, and I like also just have like spend some time uh, with yourself and and if you need to cry, cry. It's okay. It's like it's whatever. Um, but a big part of that was I began to start meditating a little bit and like uh, practice. Um, uh, damn it, what's it called? Uh, I'm blanking right now. Um, it's not like self I can't even remember. Whatever. Um, but I started using this app called Headspace. Uh, is it mindfulness? Mindfulness. Sorry, I don't know why I was blinking. Wasn't being very mindful. Uh, but <laughs> get in the moment. The thing that mindfulness kind of helped instill with me is to like enjoy whatever it is that's happening right now. Like some things you can't control. Um, some things are just out of your power, you know, you can, you can help people all day to get your payment or whatever. But if they say it's in the mail and you've emailed them 10 times, like maybe you just have to trust that that check shows up that next day and that you can't stress about it today. You can't let that ruin your day today. Um, you can only hope that it makes tomorrow better. Like if that check does come or whatever, that new project does come or that phone call does come that you, whatever it was that you needed. So, uh, those things really helped me. And then, like I said, the, the running of the marathons too were good because that made me get out of bed every day. Um, and I'm kind of big on routine. So it just helped me to have a very steady routine. You know, get up, go run and then go to go to your office and sit there. And even when you're very office and you don't have anything to do, you'll find something to do. You'll find something worthwhile at least. So, yeah, that's really good. I think both of those tips for people that are starting out and trying to make it get some momentum, like, having routines that get you jazzed, like exercise that gives those endorphins pumping, and then also having a, a, a set-apart space for making and forcing yourself to spend some time in that space. Like those are both things that are ingredients. sleep, Which is not going to help you do anything. It's not going to help you get anywhere. So you have to just get up and, and, and be present, be there. Because, I mean, everyone, yeah. it's a, a quote, like 90% of whatever is just showing up, right? You just got to be there. Like just go go to your yes. and try to make something because uh, after if you sit there in your office for two three hours you're gonna get bored enough that you want to create something. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I I'm gonna channel my uh, NPR Terry Gross okay, here go. uh, interviewer <laughs> and just circle back to you saying you know if you need to cry cry and I've sh- I have been like you know I, I don't know like I've been basically an open book about. Um, my serious ups and downs. Um, and I don't mean to like, I guess I don't mean to out you as a crier, but 
<laughs> but one of the things I'd say all the time, you know, I said this last week on the show is like, for me, this journey has had real bumps and bruises, real tears. There have been times, you know, where things didn't go right. Like a project that I needed to come in yeah. didn't come in or, you know, whatever, it, you know, and this is my life, real stuff. And I, there have been a, a, at least a handful of times where I had real cry sessions. Yeah. Where, like, have you had real blood, sweat, and tears on this journey? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's still, it still have. I mean, literally uh, less than a week ago. It was like nothing even significant or severe. I was just like not feeling right about something uh, in terms of uh, life a little bit and like, my career. And like I said, I, I run a fair amount. So I ran over to the lakefront here in Chicago and I just like sat there for like 15 minutes. And I, was, I started tearing up and I, I really didn't have any idea really any concrete idea what I was tearing up about. And I was like, this just feels weird, but it feels good. Uh, I'm glad I did it. And I ran home and I showered and I went to bed and I woke up the next day feeling like much better about my situation. So uh, <laughs> it was like that, nothing. Man, that, what'd you say? It was just, it was nothing I can control. Um, like whatever was happening that particular day. So I was like, yo, go ahead, go like do the thing that you like to do, which is to run, uh, spend a little time with yourself because sometimes it's hard to do that. Um, and, uh, just whatever, whatever emotions that you kind of have, but I'm not, you have, it's all right. Yes. And I think, uh, first of all, thanks for sharing that and be and and, and second of all, uh, you know, I think in contrast, the way I like to think about it is like, um, you know, there's the, there's like the numb boredom frustration of living a life that isn't really in your heart, you know, and that I would trade the frustrated, uh, knock down tears. Yeah. I would, I would take those over the numb boredom yeah. of trying to live a life that's not mine any day mm -hmm. of the week. Like it feels good to be in control of whatever it is that you're doing. Um, whether that doesn't necessarily mean just because you're self-employed, you are in control or doesn't mean because you are employed that you're not in control. Yeah. You can be in control of whatever at any stage of it, but like feeling like you're in control of whatever you're doing and you're on the path that you want to be on. Like that. So I feel, I think what feels amazing. It doesn't matter if you cry every day along the way. Uh, but if, if it feels like you're moving towards the right thing, then it's worth it. Exactly. Like I feel like, you know, the tears to me, I always just feel like, well, at least there's like stakes, yeah. like what I'm doing, uh, yeah. I, you know, there's something to lose and I'm fighting and I'm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I have a, I have this, it was a post I did on Instagram a long time ago or not a long time ago, last year sometime. Uh, and it just said like self-care and I ripped that page out and it's like, sits by my, it's on the wall by my desk. And there's a couple others and like you will see it if like you're watching my Instagram stories and like I share my, a photo of my desk. Like there's like four little pieces of paper right there. One says like self-care. One says, I think there's some things you can't change. And like another one says like, it's okay. And it's like these little reminders that I would just write for myself and now I just like stick them up and put them there. So like, I'm always looking at them and I always got to remember that like, yo, you got to take care of yourself. If you're going to take care of any client, you got to make sure you feel good before you can do any kind of work that's cool or creative or meaningful. So. Yeah, completely. That's, that's great. Uh, um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. Ooh, that, uh, talk about therapy right there for a second. <laughs> what did you say? Good. This was like that was like therapy for a second. It was good. It was a good little. Break, you know. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna come out of that. <laughs> hey. Yeah, let's let's switch gears a little bit and get 
you know, get a little safe zone out of that that uh, that little valley. Uh, but you know, it's not it's not good tape without a little bit of that oh, that uh, emotion <laughs> happening. Um, but uh, so I, it feels like you or you're going on this journey. You 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 know you 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 get a job. You're doing all this stuff, and it seems like lettering is kind of like a sword in the stone moment if you will. I use a lot of like <laughs> hero's journey fantasy lingo on this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, so just roll with it. But it seems like uh, lettering was a bit of like a, oh, like this is a, this is where things maybe take uh, a transcendent level up. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I stumbled into this kind of path of lettering uh, and just, was trying to figure out something cool and fun because at the time I was just like not super inspired by my like day-to-day job duties. So it was just like an added thing to do. Uh, and then I remember it's like when you are in the early stages of this and still to this day is when I was doing it, I kind of just lost track of time. I could just spend however long I needed to do it. Uh, and I can experiment as many times as possible. And I could uh, have, I could go through a thousand pieces of tracing paper and it still just felt right. Like I was like, oh, this is still fun. This at no point gets frustrating to me. Um, so yes, it was that definitely the moment Man. I pulled out that sword and stone ready to, to take everyone down lead a new generation yes that's amazing dude and that's amazing because uh one of the things i think about a lot was that the big signpost for me that said i'm on the right path i think a lot of people are they think the sword in the stone moment or the the mo you know the angel singing will be the voices of uh the praise of others saying like you're a prodigy you're incredible but i always say like a better sign isn't the quantity of good feedback Mm -hmm. or it's not the the quality of feedback it's the quantity of effort that you're willing to give like that's the bigger sign and you just described it's like are you can you just like spend insane amounts of time on this happily because if you're doing that you're gonna get good yeah. and that's the best indicator yeah and, and oh, it's just gonna take some time um you have to continue to work at it to develop it of course to make make yourself better at it but yeah it's that it's the moment when you realize that like time doesn't matter or it didn't like going somewhere going to this place different doesn't matter i'd rather be doing what i'm doing now i'd rather be working which is weird um and or you work a full-time job and you work for eight 10 12 hours and you still want to come home and do something else like to do whatever it is that you're you found that you you're passionate about that you love yes that's totally true and what let me ask you this question this is kind of an esoteric question but <laughs> i'm gonna see if we can uh get somewhere um what do you think is in your and it's just your opinion what is good lettering to you uh and i can elaborate on that question uh if you need me to but you feel free to just dive in oh uh, uh i think that good lettering is just technically sound. Um, I, 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 it's funny because I have to. T- I teach lettering to undergrads, so um, being able to explain about or talk about lettering and at a high level is important. Um, but for me, it's just understanding what makes each letter that letter, right? Um, the reason why sometimes you look at something and it doesn't feel right is just because someone's broken whatever it is that makes that letter that letter. Um, so I think good lettering sticks to whatever makes it correct but also um feels appropriate for whatever its use is so you know if you're doing something that's about 
I don't know that. I don't know. He, you, you're doing a, uh, I don't know. He does something about humanity and you use something that feels like it was done by, by Germans in world war two. Like it, those two, two things don't connect. It's a kind of inspirational, yes. inspirational pieces that lead to, or that um, lend themselves to whatever it is that you're creating. So I think those two things, make sure it's correct, making sure that it feels right for the, the right purpose. Yeah. It's correct and appropriate. And so now I think it's like early part of the journey uh, aesthetically it's, you get like really wrapped up in speaking correctly, so to speak, whether you're doing lettering or, mm-hmm. you know, editorial illustration or whatever, you get very, you know, entrenched and it's good to get into like speaking correctly, so to speak. But, uh, when it, but then you, I think it seems like a lot of artists transition from that to having something to say. So it's not just about the technical, uh, sp- speaking but it's also about you know what are you going to say with it it seems like you're hitting a stride right now where where what you're saying is as important as how you say it is that true yeah i would agree um making sure that the the correct things are correct when necessary um but also like but do you feel like there's a message behind your stuff now like you're you're in a you uh, to me it seems like if i'm like looking back in your uh, feed and, and your progression and everything, it seems like there was a season where you were really, you know, your early personal project was about technique, yeah. whereas like the last six months or whatever, um, it seems the focus is less on speaking correctly and more on having something to say, like a message. Yeah, um, I'm a firm believer of using, we all should use our platform for the best possible reasons uh, and use it in positive ways. So it doesn't matter how big your, your platform is. It doesn't matter how, how far your reach extends or how big your audience is. It doesn't matter if it's uh, 100,000 people or just 100 people. Um, you can still like inspire others and, and affect change just through having a voice and yes. about things that you're passionate about. So, I mean, I do posts that are um, culturally relevant and, you know, with police shootings and um, whatever, like about who I am as a black person living in America. Like I want to be able to share those experiences too. So I type, I share mine through lettering. Um, it's like an extra part of who I am, what I do. And I think it's like, uh, it's really, that's one of the things that is, so powerful about lettering is that you can elevate a message yeah. uh, and grab attention and 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 up uh, and you know put emotion into the letters and you know I think it's yeah it's obviously like a really valuable tool. Have you have you felt uh, have you felt powerful in your ability to get messages out there in a way that non letterers can you know what I mean? Like yeah. people that are, you know, you have a different kind of skill set. Have you felt the the power of using it? Yeah. Does that make sense? For sure. It's like when I, I love when I create something, especially when it's like culturally relevant and something like maybe it's something in the news or whatever it is, uh, and I have lots of people share and comment on it. Like those, that's when I'm like, oh, this resonates with more people than just myself, right? Like I'm actually saying something good that other people, maybe some people are afraid to say it. Um, or can't say it in a way that's effective. But like I'm giving, I'm giving other people the chance to to know that I that what I'm saying uh, and what I believe. And then if they care to to extend that message, then sometimes they do. Sometimes they share. It, sometimes they create their own pieces. Sometimes you know uh, they find other ways to to say something similar. So that's always a good feeling. That's when you understand the power of like whatever whatever it is that we're creating. And it's really interesting too for me 
um, the more I've seen the power of my personal work, the more confident I am in charging what I'm worth to, to brands. Cause I'm like, look, I know that because I can make images that are attention grabbing online and that they can have more reach than a text post or whatever. Um, I'm like, you need to pay for this because this is a valuable commodity that yeah. you need. And without me or without people like me, uh-huh. uh, you know, your message isn't going to be heard. Yeah. It's definitely more dull if, if, uh, not given to me to be able to say it. Yes. And so you were mentioning, um, that, so, you know, we kind of talked about what makes good lettering, which is kind of about, kind of about learning to fit into what it means to be a pro letterer. What do you think it is about your work that stands out? That's different. That's, you know, what, how, you know, you've got all the technique of a good letterer and you fit in in that way, but how do you stand out from the rest of uh, the lettering crowd? Wow, man. I, sometimes I don't know. Um, it's something I think I still struggle with. Um, I feel like there are times in which I don't know my own creative voice. I'm like, yo, what is my creative style? What is, what am I doing? Uh, that sets me apart from someone else. Uh, but I definitely know a part of it is the, um, the photographic part of what I'm doing a lot lately. Uh, there's a, there's a kind of a yeah. shift in my work over the last like year. And I, I've gone from what I call, what I refer to as designing JPEGs to like designing real things. So for a long time, 